Russian warship crisis and the diplomatic fallout. The complexities in horse trading in metro politics strap in, it's only going to get bumpier, and how the ruling party is courting a king. Let's get straight to it on this week's ScrollerCast, Scroller Africa's weekly podcast. I'm Jeremy Maggs, alongside political editor Zukili Majova. Zukili, let's wade straight in the Mandela Bay Metro. The ANC will do anything to stay in power. Yes, Jeremy, interesting times. I mean, you can see uh, it's the same story. It looks like it's going to be the same story in Nelson Mandela Bay, where the ANC is going to back up another small party just to take over control of the municipality from the DA. There's a party there called the Northern Alliance. Previously, this, this, this party was with the ANC, and then they, sh- they, 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 they shifted and gave power to the DA. And it looks like they are shifting back to the ANC again, which will shift the power to the DA. It's a very, it's a very uh, a tight um, uh, uh, balance of forces there. I think that they each have difference of two seats. And it looks like this Northern Alliance is going to get the position of mayor. The ANC will take the position of uh, um, deputy mayor and chief whip, etc. The EFF says it's happy to have uh, MMC positions. It looks like uh, Kabeha is going to fall back to the ANC again with the Northern Alliance in charge. It's, it's the same story we have here in Jobek, really. That's exactly the point that I was going to make. It's an exact replication of the situation in Johannesburg, which means that whatever happens in that metro uh, is automatically going to be defined by instability. Absolutely. I mean, I, 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 wish, I wish them luck. I mean, in Jobek, the past four months... Uh, we've had two mayors from uh, uh, Al-Jama'a, and it has not been stable. Service delivery has been compromised. All sorts of things have been happening. Kenny Kunene has been acting as mayor as well from the PA. They are, if they are about to get the experience of what's happening in Jobek, good luck to them. And it would seem that the strategy from the African National Congress now is power at all costs. Uh, it's, it doesn't matter what the impact is, as you say, on service delivery. Funny enough, the National Executive Committee of the ANC said they don't want power at all costs. But in terms of practical application, they are going for power at all costs. Obviously, this kind of power, Jeremy, means you, you, you get the power, but you don't have to account. Remember in Joburg, the previous mayor tried to secure a 9 billion rand loan. Obviously, no one said the ANC must account because the ANC was not in charge, you know. So you get to run a metro, whatever happens, you cannot be held to account because you, 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 don't, you don't have the mayoral chain. So what's the strategy then as far as the ANC is concerned when it comes to the Mandela Bay metro and Johannesburg, for instance? What, what's the bigger game here? The strategy, Jeremy, the ANC strategy is, is, is simple. It's, it, it's, it's their agreement with the EFF. And it, it doesn't look like they've, they've totally fine-tuned it. And from the reading of it, it doesn't look like they, this agreement is going to be limit, limited to metros. It's going to be an agreement that looks all the way to 2024, the way things are looking, because they want to have one agreement that applies in all municipalities, provinces, and national. And that's where they have not met each other. Even here in, uh, in Kabecha, it's supposed to be the ANC-EFF uh, coalition that is in charge, but both of them, um, since they have not come out with a, a clear agreement, they would rather get a smaller party 
um, to take over the mineral chains. But it's quite clear now that this coalition, when, when, when it is totally fine-tuned, it's, it, it's going to have impact next year provincial and national. Let's talk about the impact in just a moment, but why are they unable to reach any sort of working agreement? There is a lot of background to it. In the, in the beginning, I think they thought it was going to be an easy thing. You know, AFF was going to take over, Ekuruleni ANC was going to take over Joburg. Mzwandile Masina, who is the former mayor of, uh, of Ekuruleni, is an ANC guy. He, he messed up that entire agreement. Uh, they were not supposed to fill the candidate. He fielded the candidate. Uh, at the time, the mayor was Tanya Campbell of the DA. She was able to come back because of that. Since then, there's been a mistrust. The same story in case that an EFF have, have left, left the DA and, e and IFP coalition to join the ANC. But even there, the agreement is still not watertight. So you talk about the impact uh, in 2024. What is that likely to be? And are we witnessing, and I know I've asked you this question before, are we witnessing a, a dress rehearsal ahead of coalition horse trading in the national election or after the national election? It's very clear, Jeremy. I think even the ANC in Gauteng is very much aware. When you see this um, a recruitment of young people, 6,000 uh, police wardens, 6,000 uh, green and clean um, uh, uh, people, another 6,000 that's going to be fitting solar uh, panels in, in, in townships and all of that. All of these things are just quick job creation. Uh, it's all electioneering, Jeremy. It's all electioneering. It's quite clear that the ANC think it will fall under uh, in Gauteng. When it does fall under 50%, it will form a coalition with the, with, with, the, with the EFF. Who knows what the EFF will want in that coalition? Seemingly now, the ANC is prepared to give, even give up a, a, a mayor in a 90 billion rand municipality like Joburg. So come next year, the EFF is probably going to uh, negotiate even a position within the cabinet. And beyond the realms of the African National Congress and the economic freedom fighters, the rest of the opposition seems to be at sea. They're unable to form any kind of cohesive or strategic response to what is happening. It was only a couple of weeks ago we were hearing about this moonshot pact that the Democratic Alliance had proposed. That seems to be dead in the water. Yes, a strong response from the opposition is going to have to come from the DA. There's got to be a level of leadership that must come out of the DA. The problem with the DA is that it tends to think that when it's in a coalition, it's a, it is the winner, therefore it must take all. It, coalitions don't work like that. You didn't win, you know. So there's a problem there. There's also some kind of bully tactic of some sort that's coming out of the DA. I mean, if the DA really is going to be a force going forward, it has to master uh, management of coalitions. You know, I mean, they were doing okay in, in PE. It's a coalition of 10 parties in, in, in PE that is about to collapse. You know, they're going to have to do better. They're going to have to do much better than this. So on the one hand, we have this very intricate game of coalition musical chairs where the music seems to be stopping more than it's starting. On the other hand, you also have the ANC uh, ramping up its efforts to win support from the Zulu king. What is it doing and why is that constituency so important? I think right now, right now, Jeremy, in KZ10, the most popular person in KZ10 is now the king. 
He, this king is, is appealing to all sorts of people, not just the Zulus. I think everyone sort of likes this king. Everyone's trying to see what, what he's going to be doing. He's an educated king. He's a modern king. Um, so, the, so there is that. But also, what happened when his parents died, uh, uh, his father passed away and then his mother passed away, the ANC took too long to bring the king closer. Mutelezi, who is the founder of the IFP, was the one who was there with him. Come local government elections, everyone had seen that Mutelezi was the one who was always there with him. The IFP was rejuvenated, won 29 municipalities in KZN, and they've been consolidating ever since. The IFP has created an impression that the king endorses them, though he has not said so. So the ANC has been trying to charm the king at least publicly to be seen to be going around with ANC people. Recently, the king said, this is nonsense. He's unhappy with it. He says that treating him like, like a baby, he can't access his money, he can't access his budget, they are control freaks. That's what is happening. The ANC is on record as saying that they are going to improve relations with the king come uh, ahead of the 2024 election. So this is, a, this is going to be a very, very important uh, uh, a role that the king is going to play in this election. Obviously, he wants to remain neutral. He doesn't want to be seen to be choosing political sides, especially in KZN. But it looks like the ANC is betting on him. This weekend, uh, they, went, they went to him and gave him a head of 10 cattle. <laughs> Again, trying to charm the man. He might want to stay politically neutral, but in politics, that is absolutely impossible. All political relationships are of a transactional nature. So what does the ANC want out of this relationship? And is it the king simply wanting uh, the government to unlock funds and to uh, and to increase his budget. This is all about impressions, really, Jeremy. The king is not going to come out and say he supports this party. He's not going to campaign for some party. Uh, he's, he's quite a smart king, um, and also he can read the situation. KwaZulu Natal remains a very traditional province, uh, largely rural, especially uh, north of Utugela. Um, it, 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 and it's a very broad province. So there's no way he's going to come out, you know. So what the ANC is hoping to do is to get some impression that they are at peace uh, with the king, uh, they are treating him well. These are the people who, the last financial year, held on to the, the, the king's finances. I mean, they know that the king is born, is not elected, and, and they, they didn't release his funds, saying that they're waiting for him to get a certificate, etc. That made people quite angry. And then there was talk of, uh, power being cut to the king's palaces, uh, the, the, there was a water bill that was not paid, all sorts of things. And the, in the uh, IFP came out and said their municipalities are going to support the king if the ANC is not prepared to support the king. So the, really they are, they, they are coming off the back foot and they are quite desperate. Talking about uh, back feet, uh, Zukili, South Africa still remains on the back foot in this ongoing uh, Russian warship row. Uh, I want to talk in just a moment about the offer that Cyril Ramaphosa has made both Ukraine and, uh, and, and Russia. But 
just rewinding a little bit, surely the United States would have done its due diligence when it made an announcement like this, the accusation that we were selling arms to Russia. But having just said that, of course, we have to concede as well that the U.S. has got this kind of thing wrong before in the past. Well, there's no doubt in, in many people's minds, Jeremy, that we were probably caught in, caught in the act. There was some kind of shenanigan happening. When you hear what was happening in, in, in the shadow of darkness in Simon's town, you know, and, and remember, the Americans can see, can see these things. You know, it, it, it's quite clear that there was something that, we, that uh, uh, the, the ANC government was doing that was not kosher. Now, the issue, the issue now is with this, with this new ambassador, you know, uh, Ambassador Ruben Brigetti. First, he said there was going to be a terrorist threat. We were having a gay march in Sentin that weekend. was a, a very nice uh, a setup. Now, he didn't consult. I mean, obviously, when you, when you pick something up, you're an ambassador, you would have contacted the government in case things go wrong. And there was no such a threat. That was the first. That was the first one. Everyone was very much unhappy about that. And now, saying that uh, South Africa sold arms to Russia is not hundred percent sure, but it's clear that there was an exchange, you know. But I think for us, the embarrassing part is that there seems to be a section within President Cyril Ramaphosa's government that is able to buy or sell uh, sell arms without the knowledge of the president or without the proper approval. And that's the, that's the embarrassing part. Now, it looks like the president's prepared to have a commission of inquiry. Probably he wants to get rid of some people, but you know how he, how he, how he is. He doesn't act without a, a report from a commission. But there, there are some embarrassing moments for us as well there. Whichever way you look at it, it has put strain on the relationship between Pretoria and Washington, and South Africa can ill afford that, surely, given the preferential trade agreement that we have with the United States, and we have an economy that needs all the trade that it can get. Surely, uh, economic reality stumps diplomatic uh, shenanigans, as we've been seeing. Yes, absolutely. I mean, today you saw uh, the ambassador going to, to meet the ANC. He met uh, Figile Mbalula, the general secretary of the ANC, with the ANC delegation. He also had his own delegation. I think it's just back to the drawing board to just iron out relations. Obviously, the ANC government maintains it, uh, it non-aligned in the, con in the conflict uh, between Ukraine and Russia. Uh, I don't think the ambassador thinks this is this is a this is a non-aligned organization. Obviously, if you are non-aligned, you don't go around doing military uh, practices with with Russia, and then you say you are non-aligned. Especially saying that you 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 see yourself as playing an important role in 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 bringing the end uh, this war to end through dialogue, you know. And then you are doing joint military exercises with Russia. That that takes out your nine-aligned uh, uh, stance and your neutrality on this war. But uh, it, it looks like they are trying to smoke the peace pipe. <laughs> They're trying to do that, and we have this extraordinary offer now 
delivered by President Ramaphosa, but on behalf of, of African leaders, he says, to try and mediate some sort of an agreement uh, between the two nations. But, Zucchili, if you read the statement from DERCO, the Department of International Relations and Cooperation, carefully, you'll also see the line that says that African countries generally are worried about instability in the region because it has a direct impact on food security on the continent. So whichever way you look at it, an offer like that is expedient. And again, I use the word transactional. My reading of all that is happening at the moment, Jeremy, is that, I mean, America knows that we've been naughty, you know, but South Africa remains an important partner, uh, an important gateway into, in, in, into Africa, an important player in African politics, whether you're talking about broader stability in, in the continent, South Africa remains an important player. If you are looking at what is happening in Sudan, there is no way you are going to have an end of that conflict without the involvement of, of, of South Africa. You know, So at least the international community still takes South Africa very seriously. But South Africa now needs to take itself very seriously and play in this stage, take responsibility. And, and that's what it means to play with the big boys. It also means understanding that in any kind of conflict like this, a degree of compromise is needed. And I wonder sometimes if we've lost our ability to see that, given that if you cast your mind back all those years to Codessa and the agreement that uh, that we were able to reach at that point, we should be schooled in the art of getting things like this right. Even even this, this talk of, of South Africa being neutral and being able to negotiate uh, peace deals, you know, that reputation of South Africa is is no longer there. You know, it's it's, it's been gone. I think the last time we negotiated uh, peace was when we uh, were dealing with the South and North Sudan, and that was uh, Tabombegi who was who was dealing with that. You know, so we are not very good at what we say we can do in any case. But also, if you are going to be a mediator, you've got to be very honest with yourself. You can't go around saying so-and-so is our friend, therefore whether there is a warrant of arrest or not, you are not going to be arresting our friends, you are not going to be forced by the global community to pick your friends, etc. All of that language is, 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 is not acceptable. But also the political mm. posture of South Africa now in foreign affairs issues, it, it's sort of compromising us. I, I, I cannot go into uh, the issue of the economy, the state of things at the moment, how much we need uh, for indirect investment to create jobs. You know, the job numbers came out, you know, high unemployment rate and all of that. So there is some level of maturity that is once again needed in our government, Jeremy. I think that's a good place to leave it. Uh, maturity, uh, honesty, and a little bit of uh, self-introspection uh, when it comes to the uh, the art of compromise uh, in diplomacy. Zukili Majova, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Scholar Africa is a political editor. I'm Jeremy Maggs. Toby Shapshak is our executive producer. And Hans Baumgarten is our technical director. If you like this conversation, Please rate us wherever you get your podcasts. More content daily on scroller.africa. Mm -hmm.